Now, to get in our series today, I want to take many of us back to something that we were taught as children. And it's this cute little phrase that says, sticks and stones may break my bones. Um, maybe you remember hearing that. Um, if you do, just help me finish this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Remember that? Or names will never hurt me. When you do a little bit of research, we find that this probably came from a religious publishing group in the late 1800s and a mentor or a parent was saying to a child who was being bullied, hey, words aren't going to hurt you. And it sounds good, doesn't it, that words don't hurt you. But what you realize about this cute little phrase, it really is a cute little lie because we all know words hurt us and they had the potential to continue continue to hurt us. And just so you know, all throughout Scripture, this is not mentioned anywhere. And in the series, we're trying to figure that out, how we deal with better words in our life. And the foundational verse we've been using throughout the whole series is something that the Apostle Paul said from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, when he said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How do we talk and how do we speak to other people in a way that's encouraging to them and they understand and can build them up? And when we think about this idea of unwholesome words. It's really broken down into two categories. The first we've talked a lot about are unhelpful words or words that are useless or not beneficial. And we use this illustration quite a bit that in our lives for every one positive thing that builds us up, there's usually six things that either don't help us or tear us down in our lives. And we've taken this assessment, which I've hoping, I hope you've gotten to take. And if you haven't, we'd love for you to take that. It's only going to be available for a couple more weeks. It's been really insightful for a lot of people to figure out how to speak the most helpful words we can and learn the needs of other people. But today we're not going to talk about just unhelpful words, we're going to talk about unhealthful words or words that are bad or harmful or this really strong word, toxic, and how that can affect us in such a negative way. And you may identify with this because maybe you had a parent or you had a coach or an ex-boyfriend, girlfriend that spoke some words to you and it just kind of scarred you. It's just kind of left a mark and it has not easily gone away. And you've carried it for like a lot of your life or most of your life since then. Now what we realize from that is the phrase should probably be changed to sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can really hurt me. Now let me take you back in my life about 40 years ago when I had an interaction with my dad that I still hold on to today and maybe you've heard me talk about this. My dad is a man I respect. He passed away several years ago. Love my dad and honor my dad. But when I was 10 years old, I was out on a soccer field playing soccer and at 10 years old I was kind of a chubby little kid and as an adult I'm kind of a chubby adult but I'm working on that like maybe you are outside of um, COVID right now. And you know I was at where the husky jeans, the husky jeans with the big pads in the knees so you didn't tear him up. Well, anyway, I'm out on the soccer field playing my heart out, and my dad's on the sidelines with some other kids and some other dads, and I run, run over to the sidelines, and I said, Dad, I am so tired. I am so tired, looking for a little encouragement. And my dad, not trying to be mean, just trying to be funny, looked at me in the eye and said out loud, it's probably because there's too much tummy on the dummy, right? He said that to me. And it was kind of funny and people kind of laughed, but I'm telling you, it broke my heart. It embarrassed me. And to this day, it was, it's like I was standing right there when I tell you that story. It's so vivid and so real to me. 
Now hang on to that story because I want to come around and tell you how my dad redeemed that in my life. But I just can feel the weight of that because words are so powerful in our lives. And maybe you've had a parent that said something to you that had that effect or a friend or an ex-wife or ex-husband. What we know is the writer of Proverbs writes a lot about the fact that our words can become weapons. And of course, a weapon can protect, but often a weapon is used to destroy something. And Solomon, when he writes about words in the Proverbs, he says words have the power of life and death. We talked a lot about this. Words can be sword thrusts or they can be healing. Words can turn away wrath or they can stir up anger. Have you ever been in a place where it's words have turned away wrath but, or they really just got anger to the surface where it almost boiled over? And today I, I want to talk about this really important idea of what causes words to become weapons. What causes words in your life and in my life to become weapons? And how can we stop scarring people um, when we use our words and say things to people and go, you know what, I just don't want to go there anymore. And to get us there, um, if you have a Bible or you have your app on your phone, you can open up to the um, historical document of Matthew, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. And we're going to look at a story of Jesus and some Pharisees or religious leaders. And here's the context of what's going on here. Jesus is with his God and some Pharisees or religious leaders, they approach Jesus and they accuse him of being ceremonially unclean along with his followers. And it's all around this idea of washing your hands of all things. Now, there was this idea in the Jewish culture, and Matthew writes this as a Jewish man, because he was from his perspective, that this hand-washing thing came from a way to bring your best to God. You see, there was the Ten Commandments, and then there's all the other laws that, was, that they came up with to support the Ten Commandments. And one of them is you should wash your hands before you eat, which makes total sense. But because religious people, like me, can take rules and laws and they can make them so complex, they can make them so, like, this is how you get God's approval, that they came to Jesus and they said, because your disciples aren't washing their hands the right way, they're detestable to God. It had nothing to do with how God loved them. It had everything to do with you're not following the rules perfectly and so you're on the outs with God. So Jesus, you and your guys are on the outs with God because you don't wash your hands the right way. Well, Jesus, he just wasn't having it. He wasn't putting up to it. And so here's what Matthew tells us. He says, in light of that, then Jesus called the crowd to come and hear and listen. Like, hey, everybody, listen, listen, listen. I'm about to set them some things straight. He said, and try to understand. I'm about to speak against something that is so common to you all because you've missed it for so many years, it's going to be hard for you to wrap your mind about what I'm about to say. But it's going to contradict this cleanliness law, that cleanliness somehow puts you on the outs with God. And we're not going to follow rules to figure out if God loves us, because God loves us in spite of the rules. So wrap your mind around this. Jesus says, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you or puts you on the outs with God. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. This is not about dirty hands, but it's about what comes out of your mouth. This is what Matthew tells us. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And of course, they were always so afraid of the Pharisees, but Jesus wasn't. 
Now, you kind of miss the emotion because we don't understand the emotion sometimes and the humor of Jesus. I think in this moment, Jesus is really quick-witted and he uses a little bit of humor. This is what he says. Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. In other words, when the Pharisees come and they talk that kind of language to you, just put your hand up and say, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. We're not going down this road where God's going to throw you out because you don't wash your hands the right way. It's really a cool thing. He goes on, he goes a step further. He says, they are blind guides leading the blind. Maybe you didn't realize this comes from Scripture. Yeah, they're blind leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the pit. In other words, listen, you got to be careful who you follow. And always be careful of following religious people that think they have it all figured out and they're the only ones that can talk for God and everything that they do is perfect. So be really careful because that was what the Pharisees were in this moment. They'll lead you into a ditch. On the other hand, be careful following people that have no concept or have an understanding of God because they can fall, lead you into a ditch. Now, in this moment, no one's speaking up. No one's like answering any questions except for Peter. And if you know anything about Peter, he most likely was a yellow red or a red yellow. And he just blurts out. Look what he says. Then Peter said to Jesus, Jesus explained to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Remember, this was a huge deal in their culture. They kind of lived on this rule along with a whole bunch of others. And Jesus, again, with a smile on his face, said, Don't you understand yet? Jesus asked. Peter, are you so dull? I mean, out of all the fishermen in the boat, were you the dullest fisherman? So Jesus, like he always did or did a lot of the time, he just broke this down. He says, Anything you eat passes through the stomach, that's kind of gross, and then goes out into the sewer. Um, Jesus goes into human anatomy, into biology. Uh, Years ago, I took a bunch of high school kids on a mission trip to Mexico, and one of the things we told them was absolutely don't drink the water. So we're walking through the market in Juarez, Mexico, and I look over and one of the high school students was sitting at a table in a little cafe having an ice-cold Coke. It was 110 degrees, full of ice. And the coat came from a bottle with a cap on it. That's fine. But I said, hey, where'd you get that ice? He said, I don't know. They just served it to me. Do you realize that that is water turned to ice that's from Mexico, which you're in, and we told you not to drink? And he's like, ah, it's no big deal, no big deal. Sure enough, like two hours later, I'm telling you, Montezuma had had his revenge on this poor kid. It was a miserable experience for him. But about 24 hours later, It had all kind of passed, and he was doing much better, which is what usually happens. But that's what Jesus says. What you put in your mouth, it may be bad, it may be tainted, but it'll pass. It'll move itself on. It's not such a big deal. But, he said, the words you speak come from your heart. Much bigger deal. That's what defiles you. What's in you comes out of you. And what comes out of you through your words are what represent what's in you. Things that have taken up residence, things that's latched on to your heart and your soul, they come out eventually, and it is obvious there's some ugliness in all of us. He goes on, for from the heart come evil thoughts. And you know what evil thoughts are? It's just self-talk. It's the evil things that we say to ourselves that's already in our brain that swirl around and maybe nobody knows until it comes out. And from evil thoughts come murder, adultery, All sexual immorality, 
theft, lying, and slander. And all these things are relevant to us, but they're also relevant to the people in our lives because when those evil things come out, it hurts people. It damages people. So we got to figure out what's inside us before it comes out and hurts those around us because Jesus said these, these, these words, these actions, these thoughts are what defy you when they come out of you. Eating unwashed with unwashed hands will never defile you. It's not a big deal. Quit worrying about washing your hands. Now, real quick, side note, don't tell the CDC I just told you that because you should still wash your hands. In fact, it's so interesting that, you know, two or 3,000 years ago, God was giving these instructions because God knew how he worked, and he knew that washing your hands before you eat doesn't put you on the outs with him, but it is good for your life and those around you. So remember, wash your hands, sing happy birthday twice through, and wash the tips of your fingers. That's just a little public service announcement from the pastor at Lifehouse. But it doesn't defile you. This is a really important thing that Jesus is trying to get across. What you let outside of your mouth reveals what's on the inside of your heart. And there's way more at stake if we got something jacked up inside us, how it comes out and reveals something about us. Now I want to jump to one more teaching that Jesus did. It was on the Sermon on the Plain, which is a different teaching than the Sermon on the Mount. It's a little bit smaller group, but still a large group of people came. And Jesus is teaching on the same subject. Look what he says in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does bad, a bad tree bear good fruit. Now we're into earth science, but Jesus is trying to help an agricultural group of people understand the kingdom of God. He says each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And people do not pick figs from a thorn bush or grapes from a briar. And you get this. You don't walk up to thorns and briars and pick great grapes from. Briars don't produce a great bottle of wine. It's just not how it works. To which you may say, well, Jesus, what's the point? Here's the point, a good man, because that's what we want to be, or a good woman, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart or her heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. You see, if there's good in me, it's going to come out. But the same is if there's evil inside me or darkness, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, and we're always storing up one or two things in our heart. And we usually have both in there, but the question is what is growing, the goodness, and what is diminishing, hopefully the evil, or is it the other way around? And it may be something you're doing, something you've latched onto, or or quite honestly, that stuff may be in there because of something someone else has done to you. Jesus goes on, he says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, whatever is on the inside is coming out. It's why why if I hold this up and I go, hey, do you know what's on the inside of this? You would most likely say a banana's on the inside. But, But how do you know? I mean, it's unpeeled. You can't see past the peel. You would know this because the law, the natural law, would say, yeah, there's congruency. That every time you hold a banana up, there's a banana inside. What you don't know, is it black inside Is it jacked up inside? I'm telling you, once you peel it and you open it up and you find out, you go, oh, that's on the inside. Now it's on the outside. And now it just has the potential to be gross. Well, that's the truth of our lives, isn't it? We don't really know what's going on in the inside of others' lives until it pops out. And then it pops out in those circumstances when there's stress or people are hungry or tired or something has happened. You're like, ooh, there's some darkness inside you. And it just popped out. That's what Jesus is saying. What comes out of you is an indicator of what's stored inside of you. 
Now, this is a huge deal because we've been talking about our temperaments and how our temperaments can cause unhelpful words to flow out. But as we talk about unhealthful words or toxic words, those don't just flow from our temperament. Those flow from a brokenness in us, an evil in us. And we all have that. I do, you do. And again, it may be something you did. It may be something that you've leaned into recently. It may be something that's been done to you. The sad and the tragic side is we take that stuff and we weaponize our words with it. So I just wanted to go through four ways that we weaponize our words with our pain and our sin and our darkness. First is we we weaponize our words when we've been hurt. There's an old cliche that's used way too much, but hurt people hurt people. That's just a true thing. And when hurt people hurt people, what's stored up inside us is anger and bitterness. And when anger and bitterness is stored up inside us, eventually it comes out. And you just may know somebody, or you might be somebody, that you're angry. And anger is just flowing. And people are around you, and they're like, where's that coming from? What's coming from what's inside you? And listen, you, you want to blame it on the other's fault, the Republican, the Democrat, the president, the ex-president, the former president, your ex-wife, somebody. But that may be part of it. But that anger and bitterness is because it's inside you and it affects the people around you. We also weaponize our words when we've been discontent. We talk about this a lot because we're storing up envy. And envy and jealousy go hand in hand, but jealousy is so hard to talk about because we can't see it in the mirror. But envy and jealousy is when we feel like someone owes us something or we deserve something. You know, he got that and I got ripped off and I'm going to weaponize my words from what's in my heart. This is why Proverbs says that jealousy and envy, they actually rot your bones from the inside out. And that rot comes out to the people we love and our children and our spouse and the people we work with. And it hurts them and it scars them. We also weaponize our words when we don't feel safe. And this kind of breaks my heart because a lot of people run into this and it was completely not their fault. Something that happened when they were children, something happened to them in their first marriage. And when that happened, they carried that pain with them and that mess with them. And then they started storing up insecurity. And they stored it up for years. And it wasn't their fault. They just decided, listen, I've gone through fear and insecurity and I'm never going to let that happen in my life again. And we create defense mechanisms. And if you trigger a defense me- mechanism in this person's life, you might get the wrath of God brought down on you. And they might say things and do things from an insecure place that hurts people they care about and hurts people they love. And if, if that's you, if that's me, we just don't want to do that. We weaponize our words also when we're hiding something. Now this is a huge deal. And a weird part of this is people with secrets, they make themselves sick. Such an interesting thought. That secrets make you sick. It steals your confidence. That when something is being done in private, especially if it's a dark thing, an ugly thing, a sinful thing, and no one else knows and you're just hiding it, and maybe you're dealing with that today, it can literally make you sick spiritually, emotionally, and maybe even physically. And this doesn't mean we shouldn't have struggles and our life should be perfect. It just means we we shouldn't go through those things alone and we shouldn't hide them. Because when we weaponize our words and we're hiding something, we're storing up guilt and shame. And here's the deal with people with guilt and shame, and I've suffered with this and I bet you have too. They're so quick to point out others and their mistakes because here's the deal. Misery loves company. 
And if I'm going to be miserable with guilt and shame, I want you to feel it too. In fact, when someone comes to me and they're like just hardcore about an issue, a moral issue, a thing issue, a cultural issue, like one thing, I automatically think you're struggling with something yourself. And maybe it's the thing you're most upset about, you're struggling with, and you feel guilty and shameful about it, and you want everyone else to feel bad about it too. And it eats up and it kills things around you. And this is where, again, words come out that are unhealthful, and they can mark people around you for years. Now, here's the deal with all of this. It points to our needs that we have, because we have great needs. But when we approach our needs and others' needs through a, a filter of my heart's pretty tainted, and I got a lot of junk stored up in there because I haven't done the hard work of dealing with, I, I think about all the needs we have. If I'm a yellow and, and I'm a really broken, broken person inside because I haven't dug in and let God change my heart, I, I think about this approval thing. All I will think about is my approval, and I will not think about the approval of anyone else. As a red myself, if I'm really jacked up in my heart, this whole idea of sense of control, I will power up, and I'll control, and I'll be mean, and I'll be harsh because I'm trying to fulfill my needs and not think about anybody else. Doesn't make me a very good dad, or a husband, or a boss. When I think of a green, I think the need for harmony but again, if I'm in a really tough spot emotionally and spiritually, I would do anything or take anything to have harmony in my life, no matter who it hurts. Same with a blue. Safety, sensitivity, those kind of things. If I'm not healthy, I would do whatever it takes to make myself safe, even if it costs you your safety. Because it becomes all about me and me and me and me and no one else. We've talked a lot about this. You know, for a yellow, a yellow might say, that they often speak with animated, fun, exaggerated, people-oriented words. That's why yellows can be really fun to be around. But in an unhealthy place, and a yellow can have fun at another's expense out of jealousy. It's kind of an ugly thing, isn't it? If you're a red, we talked about reds often speak with bold, bossy, confident, or controlling words. In an unhealthy place, a red can belittle others effortlessly out of anger. It is so easy for me as a red personally to belittle people if I'm not watching my own heart. If you're a blue, we've said that they often speak with detailed, analytical, and compassionate words in an unhealthy place. They can expose incompetence to compensate for insecurity. In other words, insecurity is bubbling up in there. I'm going to make everyone else look bad and embarrass them and humiliate them so I don't feel so bad about myself. A green often can speak with sarcastic or easygoing, patient and kind words. Greens can be real pleasant to be around. In an unhealthy place, a green can be passive, aggressive to manipulate others. That's kind of an ugly thing, right, greens? But that can happen if there's stuff in our heart working against us. And we all have weaknesses and we have to figure out how to deal with them. Now, back to this temperament thing. You know, we've been talking so much about, listen, my temperament, if I figure out how to you know, deal with my temperament and yours, I can drop coins and deposits in the positive side of your life. That's part of this. The other part of this is what's in your heart and what's stored and locked up in a cage in our hearts that we harbor that eventually come out. And today, I think Jesus is calling us as Christians. And if you're not a Christian, man, I hope you think about working through this with us. But it's your choice. 
But as Christians, Jesus calls us to pry open our hearts and pry open whatever is going on inside us and reach in and pull out the big stones of yuck, of darkness, of sin, and be careful what we do with them. Because if we don't deal with this and pry it out and dig it out, we can start to drop it on people's lives. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to break that glass and have to clean it up. But we can drop an insurmountable weight on people that can crush them with our own pain and our own mess. But what if, what if, what if we're able to move in a place where we let God work on our hearts so we could take this and we could start dealing with this? Instead of this being evil and dark, we could do something that's beautiful and use our words to build people up, to love people, to encourage them to be what God wants them to be. But we can only get there with God's help and a ruthless inventory of our own lives. But it's a heart issue. It's why the writer of Proverbs says this, above all else, guard your heart because it's what's inside of you. For everything you do flows from it. This is the law of integrity. This is the law of what's inside you will come out of you eventually. And what comes out of you, Jesus says, is what will defile you. So I'm going to ask you to do something today. Because all these assessments and all this good work we're doing probably doesn't get us there unless we deal with our heart and deal with God. So here's my question. Would you be willing to do a ruthless inventory and identify what you are storing up in your heart? And maybe for you, I've been, as I've been talking, some things have come to mind that you thought, yeah, I got to deal with that. Would you be willing to do something to, with that? And maybe this is something that you did. Maybe this is something that happened to you, you years ago or last week, or you've been carrying it since you were a kid. But would you take a ruthless inventory and figure out what am I feeding my heart? What am I letting stay in there? What am I weaponizing? So here's the question. What are you storing in your heart? And this is this whole idea of unwholesome self-talk, that stuff that we say that is toxic and it's ugly. And Jesus said those evil thoughts, that self-talk, it leads to murder. Maybe not physically, but murder of a relationship. Murder of your child's confidence. That can lead to you know, a sexual lifestyle that is detrimental to yourself. It can cause you to lie out of self-protection. Would you be willing to do a ruthless inventory to receive God's grace, to receive God's love, Literally, to take this to God and say, God, I have pried this big chunk of mess out of my life, and I want you to deal with it today. And you might say, okay, Matt, if I do that, if I pry that out of my heart, what do I replace it with? That's why I would, where I just simply turn to King David, like David and Goliath, and something he said as he had to work on his own heart many, many times. He said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, I'm going to pry out the junk and I'm going to replace it with your love, your scripture, your truth, your very Holy Spirit. Do you know if you invite God's spirit to dwell in you and work in you, he will do just that? And here's how I know God will do that. This is how I've witnessed this in my own life. When I was 10 years old, I told you the story of my own father. And I remember that so vividly. But my dad was a very young Christian at the time. But he put in the work of following Jesus and letting God change him, inviting God to make him different. And I can literally remember a switch in my dad's life where he, he would write me notes to remind me of how he loved me and what I meant to him, what a 
proud dad he was of me as a young dad myself, a young man myself. I have countless voicemails of my dad calling me on Father's Day and my birthday, reminding me that I'm his child and he's proud of me, that he knew I could do great things. I can remember talks with my own father, sitting in restaurants and you know, walking through the woods, and he'd put his arm around me. This is the same guy that didn't know Jesus until he was about 22 years old, and God changed his life. And he'd put his arm around me, and he would just tell me, Matt, I see incredible potential for you and what God is doing with you. I could not be prouder. I could not love you more. And what my dad did with some of those remarks of my childhood, he redeemed it. He redeemed it with words that carried the weight of his Savior. And I'm convinced that I get to do what I do today partly because my dad spoke that into me. And I know you may say, well, man, I didn't have a dad like that. I didn't have a mom like that because my mom came right alongside and did the same thing in my life. I understand that. But you have a heavenly father and I have a heavenly father that can step in. And what if our kids people we love, spoke that way about us as they grow in their lives and come close to Jesus. I want to do that for people. I want you to do that for people. Can you imagine if we all started to deal with the junk in our lives, how it would revolutionize all of our relationships? But you got to do a ruthless inventory, and then you got to replace whatever was in your heart that may be a little ugly and dark with God's word, like David said. In a second, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to jump into this song called Great Things. And my prayer has been for you this week that the next great thing God would do in your life would be to work on your heart and to work on my heart. But we've got to join him, and we've got to invite him to change us from the inside out. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that you redeem what's on the inside of us when it's tainted, when it's dark, when it's sinful. And Lord, you give us the ability through your grace to replace it with you and your word and your truth and your love. I pray that we would do the work today to let you change us from the inside out. And as we sing this next song, Lord, I just pray we'd invite you to move mightily in our lives. And the people that are tuning in, Lord, that are not even sure how this works, not even sure if they believe, they would would just sense your presence and your love in whatever way they can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.